As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. We have got a great guest lined up for you guys. They are in studio, which is always a good time. And uh, it seems like there's like some some great synergy in the room. Marcus, I think you should do an introduction because I feel like this is someone you know very well. I do. I, I will do the introduction on this one. I'm so glad you're here. And for the people who know my story and are familiar with, with what happened on the mountain... There is, and they're familiar with the part getting me off the mountain. That, that's a whole story in its entirety. And actually, this is the guy who did it. This is the man who, who pulled me off the mountain. <laughs> yeah, actually, he got his ass in there to get me off the mountain. Um, 
I get more cop comments on the Joe Rogan podcast that I did talking about you at all that whole story. Which is the best story? Yours is. Getting me out of there was crazy. Jeff Spanky. No, Spanky. No, 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 no. Peterson. No, that's what I was like. <laughs> Jeff Peterson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were laughing about this the other day. I was like, man, I know guys my whole life. I never knew their name, just your call sign. <laughs> Jeff Spanky. I knew your name. I didn't know your call sign for the longest time. When I got yeah. back, they wouldn't tell me that stuff. They kept uh, me away from you guys for a while, or vice versa, for whatever reason. But uh, well, we we're all back at work. Mostly, everybody went back to their grind. So it was Spanky, it was you and Skinny, Skinny right? right? Skinny was in the other aircraft. We were oh, both gotcha. the aircraft commanders. Right. So it was me and Gonzo, Dave Gonzalez. Okay, yes. Was the two up front. And then I had Mike Cusick, uh, two-tour Vietnam oh, <laughs> flight wow. engineer. Oh, my gosh. So he had seen, he was a Huey gunner back in Vietnam. Are you kidding me? No. So he was... How did you get that, he was, I didn't know he was, that he, was, he, he was had cool all that. He was cool in the gang. And then I had a college student. Uh, ben Peterson was the left gunner, and he was pinging. Your and then I had two relation or no PJs, no different. No. Yeah, two PJs. One was <laughs> a doctor at the time, and and then Checky. Yeah. All right, oh before gosh. we get okay. all into the good stuff. Okay. Sorry, sorry, all right. sorry. So, so wait a minute. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. I got to start with the same about the Patreon. Oh question. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got to do it. All right. What Guinness World Record do you think you could break this afternoon? Mm. I've got a few good ones here that I looked up today. Most T-shirts put on in one minute. Current no. record is 31. Dumb. Most Jello eaten with chopsticks in one minute, 3.2 ounces. No. Most sticky notes on the face in one minute. Current record is 58. Fastest time to place 24 cans in a fridge, 9.76 seconds. Um, I think this one I could beat this afternoon. It is crackers. Most saltine crackers eaten in one minute. Current record is only 10. Oh, I could do that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, it's harder than they you. They dry your mouth out, right? Yeah, that's like the milk and the egg thing. Uh, what would your strategy be? I'm thinking three per 15 seconds to get 12, which would beat the record. Or should you throw all of them in there at once to use all the saliva? <laughs> so one could would dry it all up. The whole thing, the whole little package, crumble it up into crumbs you and just shake. I'm sure that's been tried. Mm. Yeah. I really don't have an answer for that one. I could beat the cracker one. All right, we should do this. I also really like Jello, so I think I could do that one as with well. With chopsticks? That's the hard part. Well, I'm pretty good with chopsticks. I'm not. No. But it doesn't seem like a lot of Jello. I feel like I could just put it. How many it. Guinness Book records are there? Oh, that's a great question. Let's find Couldn't out. Couldn't you just take the chopsticks and like rub the rim of the bowl or vessel that and it's in and then just pop it in your mouth? Stab it? I think so. All right. That's what I would do. You got anything for me? I feel me? like we should challenge ourselves every year to at least get Try in to the, break one. To yeah. get in the book. I would just like to see Melanie try it because she's, oh, pretty, gonna get that done, she's pretty confident <laughs> that she can. <laughs> Dropping a challenge is one thing. If you accept it, that's completely different. I will exactly. accept the Jello and cracker challenge. Oh, she's backpedaling. I had my kids do the cinnamon thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. The spoonful. Oh, of, the spoonful. That was the meanest thing Marcus great. has done. He told the kids that they would get an iPhone, which they really, really want. If they could swallow an entire... They wouldn't leave me alone about a damn iPhone. ...spoonful of cinnamon. <laughs> so they... are not getting one. They did it and choked and choked. It was I awesome. Mean, they vomited. Great. I can't physically hurt my kids or beat them or abuse them anymore. You know, rules, rules. They vomited. But I can come up... That's, That's awesome. not true. They did. That is and not true. And then Addie true. got a rash from it oh, because we it went all <laughs> down. The cinnamon went down her so shirt. So they still hounding you for phones? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. 
We were pretty strict with phones. I'm real strict. Boys. I'm on the straight. Like, hey, I, I laid down some guys. You got to make straight A's. I mean, I need. We were we were worse than that. We we made our boys. They didn't have a smartphone till they were out of high school. Yeah, that's what I plan. That's my plan. Till they're smart enough to have one. <laughs> I heard. Mm. I'll put a low jack on you if you want, man. But you ain't getting no damn smartphone. Because that means that at whatever age I give that to you, you're, that's me telling you that you're, the world can take care of you. Yeah, it's spooky these days. The cool part about being born in the 1900s is we didn't have all that tech, so we had to figure it out. And when I get done teaching my kids how to figure stuff out, then they can have it. There you go. I mean, it's as nice as I can be about it. I've just seen too many. I hear the guys who invent that crap tell me not to give it to them. Okay, so Hunter is in the studio today. He's different. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's and <laughs> Hunter... How old were you when you got your first cell phone? Cell phone, uh, I think I was in third grade, but I didn't have an iPhone until... Well, until they came out. Which was what age, son? It was... <laughs> I mean, I think it was high school, right? It, a little no. after. It's a little no. college. An iPhone? He got an iPhone in eighth grade. Is that true? Maybe not. It could have it been. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, special circumstances i came in as a whirlwind whatever <laughs> special circumstances by the way there's over fifty three thousand current records in the database is that what it is fifty three thousand. i looked it up yeah can we create our own record yeah how's that work i think so so i was looking at what it takes to get a record and there's some stipulations and oh, basically so. you have to fill out an application but it's always a damn application there's an application and then you have to follow their guidelines to a t or it will not count do you submit a video or do they send somebody out it either or to get somebody to come out it's got to be a pretty big record and a pretty big deal i don't know well i understand I think- that I think we could do like how many books you could autograph in a certain amount of time. Oh, Marcus is, is for sure. I'm sure there's got to be a record for that. The You're record, fast. yeah, he is so quick. People will say, "Oh, I've scheduled an hour for Marcus to sign 50 books." I'm like, <laughs> that might take him two minutes. Yeah, two full minutes. He you know, we do something, signed. we overdo it. Like you learn how to do it really well. Like you know, same thing. They call it OCD out in the civilian world. It's called being squared away when you're in the military. Squared well, away. but you also have like a scribble signature, so it's because someone stole my identity, so I had to change it. And you know, scribble is where you landed. I call it my glyph. All right, you can <laughs> oh, call it whatever glyph. you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's me. It's all good. It's all good. You know, Patreon. Check it out. Patreon.com/slash Team Never Quit. That way, you can ask fun questions. You can get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content. Get some bonus swag, and that's about it. Marcus, it's all you, brother. Okay, let's get into this. We can talk about the operation. We're going to talk about that. Before we do that, let's just get into the backstory a little bit, where you come from, where, how, how this started, how'd you wind up in the military? Because how, how we wound up together is a great story. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't from a military family at all. At all. At all. I, my grandparents were too old, young for World War One, too old for World War Two. My dad, mom same, were thing. Too, same thing. They just missed everything, except my dad's youngest brother went to Vietnam, lasted three months. So that was my intro to... Military, you you join and you die, you know. So, is that how it was preached? Well, well his, no, it's just. He but lost I, his I, uncle I, in Vietnam. Yeah, just lost. I understand. My, I understand. But, but I, I was just curious. Is that, is that how they I, said it though? I, I, well, no, they just we just really didn't talk about it. I grew up in a small town, northern Utah, Logan. Hill Air Force Base was an hour away, but wasn't a big military presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was patriotic. Um, I loved my country. I loved the flag. I would. I did all those things, but I didn't really want to join because I thought the military 
was just getting yelled at yeah. and told what to so do. So where did you learn your like patriotism? That. My parents probably. And in school, they still do the pledge. Oh yeah, everything. Because that's yeah. I was the same way. It wasn't yeah. pushed on us. Even we have a military family, but I, I but didn't. But you were real proud of your country right? and everything. Yeah. We always had that. And I always wanted to fly, so that was part of it. Where'd that come from? What'd you see? I don't know. It was dreams. I don't know. I, I just wanted to fly. I just thought that'd be Why cool. Why Rotary? No, I, I didn't even know they really existed. That's another story. We'll get to that. All right, check. So I just wanted to fly and um, grew up in northern Utah. Um, I did a two-year mission for my church, LDS mission in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And one of my companions there were out knocking doors, white shirt with a black name tag. His brother was an Air Force pilot. And I remember thinking, that would be cool. So that was the first I'd thought of even whatever. I'd done a year prior to going on my mission. I came home. My parents had moved from Logan down to Tempe, Arizona. He was at Arizona State University. Great school. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'll go give it a shot. Fell in love with ASU. Miss Penny MacArthur was from Tempe, Arizona. Mm. Yeah, blind date, rest is history. Hey, those get you. Yeah, That's I, what happened here. Yeah, yeah, I tell you what. What's happening is still to get right? Those are good ones. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I was in two-year ROTC with the pilot slot and went in. Ten days before commissioning, they took my pilot slot away and because the bush drawdown, recession... I was like, come on, I thought it was a guarantee. And so I went in as a maintenance officer hoping I'd get a pilot slot back. So oh, I was wow, a that's not, explain that, that doesn't, that's not a thing. That wasn't a good thing, but it happened to a lot of guys. So I was just going to get out, but we we're newly married, um, recession. What I year thought, was this? 91. Okay. So then I went in and I got the mighty B-1B up in Abilene. So that was our first duty assignment. Dias Air Force Base, Abilene, Texas. Got a dog there. Uh, and about two and a half years later, Penny was pregnant, and my number came up, and we were going to Del Rio, Texas. Oh, mm. gosh. So we were on the <laughs> on the Rio Grande, and I flew the jets there. This, yes, that. they are. But while I was at Abilene, good friend of mine, I was out visiting him and saw you on the steps of the Capitol, and I was like, now that's probably his freaking brother. Um, got to meet Morgan for the first time. Yeah. But he's a congressman now, but he was a bone driver, a B-1 driver out of Abilene. And he was prior Air Force helicopters. And he got me so jazzed on helos. His name's Chris Stewart, um, and now he's a congressman. Yeah. So I went to, to pilot training. Small world, right? 25 of us. I was number eight, and there was one fighter slot. And I didn't want to fly heavy, so I went helicopters and the rest is history and i, I helicopters more pain in the ass to learn i know my parents my parents i didn't know that at the time my parents were like are you sure because helicopters crash mm -hmm. they're dangerous they all crash you know this they, you don't fly them right a lot of moving parts so yeah that's how i got into helicopters and chose my first career path was combat rescue on so the 60. what was the first time you ever went on one was it just in flight school did you ever go out and get in, on one? In, to, in Del, that was hard to do back in those days. You just who had a helicopter, yeah. right? You just didn't but have in it. Del Rio, we we were able to scam a ride on a Eurocopter, one of oh, those nice. green Border Patrol helicopters. Oh, yeah, they're great Border Patrol man. Jumped great. in, and me and my, and I just remember, you know, I mean, because you hit your skid, it's a pivot point, and you can crash real easy. 
he just was sitting there letting us just kind of bounce into the grass and he was pretty it, but it was fun and i thought i even remember when we went to fort Sound walker like alabama so cool that he might have been hoping you would die yeah <laughs> <laughs> crash that things are getting i remember when i was at pilot training had to because the Air Force goes to the Army because they're the experts in Alabama, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Is that true? You said that out loud. Yeah, I know. You're going to keep that in there? I know, whatever. But right. <laughs> they are. They're the experts of the uh, heli- Or they do a ton of it. We don't have them. Too late. It's uh, already out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I came home at night, had a, a new, you know, 10-month-old kid, and I'm in tears almost telling Penny, there is no way I'm ever going to be able to do this. Because I'd mastered the planes, but there was no way I was going to learn how to hover and do all that stuff. And I thought I'd screwed up, but you figured More of a out. More fear, or just like you did, it's because you'd never done it before. Because now I just, I, I just was super frustrated because it wasn't the first few flights weren't going that well, and I was just like this. And it is super hard. I equate it to like once you learn how to ride a bike. I mean, it's pretty easy, but this is like you master riding a bike, and now you're on one of those. 10 foot tall unicycles and plus you're probably trying to juggle at the same time it just it's not natural sail on your back yeah it's not natural and it's but it's the best flying out there because you can land in ranchers fields (laughs) which i've done and had troubles and you're fine because some of those i mean what and this is what a lot of people don't know is how much y'all fly like the the, y'all's department and what you were assigned to Man, the, the flying the auto, because some of the guys, y'all get so good at flying them things, man, you could park it like you park a car. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. We try to push ourselves, and, and our mission is to go in and get a fighter pilot that's ejected deep into enemy territory. We go in, evade, find them, locate them, authenticate them, get them, get them out. That's our mission. But that never happens. Is that I mean, Scott in Vietnam O'Grady, that happens so much? Should, yeah, like Egypt. It was it was a big thing in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. we've built from that. But since Vietnam, even in Iraq, oh really? It was a three day war kind of thing, you know. And guys, yeah, they got rolled up some on the first Desert Storm and stuff like that. But that's our thing: is to go in low, fast, get them, get out, and hopefully not get shot down. Mm. Helicopters were the highest loss rate in Vietnam. They were. Shot down all. That's when they when they when they stop. Yeah, yeah they're sitting ducks. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're sitting ducks. Honestly, and, when I got on one for the first time, man, it was leaking oil on the inside, and I remember yelling at the crew chief. I was like, "Hey, boss, man, there's stuff coming out of the roof." He's like, "Tell me when it stops. That's when the problem, will, you know, when it <laughs> oh stops leaking." So I mean, they're made to take some pain, but yeah, my family and is unlike- the same way as far as like missing the mm-hmm. wars, like. Everyone dating way back, um, same with my family. Like, my dad was born in 59. Um, my grandpa was, but he was too old for, uh, or no, too young for World War II. Like, just missed all the wars. So, but super patriotic. The first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was Platoon. <laughs> Should not have seen that because I was about six years old. <laughs> kind of scared you. <laughs> But I remember the helicopter scenes from Platoon, and I've obviously seen it since then. And that's when you talk about that, that's immediately what I think about is like those scenes of like going to get the guys out of the jungle. Hey, so what what movies do a good job with helicopters? You know how I'm talking about like Top Gun pilots and SEALs and SEAL movies? So there's not really, really any helicopter movies. 
<laughs> yeah, Black Hawk Down was a good one. That's what I'm talking about. Like, what about We Were Soldiers when the guys go that, in? It? That's a good one. Um, Black Hawk Down. We Were Soldiers. Was... What about Apocalypse Now when they're coming in? When the when the what? air cabs coming in? Speakers on the side. Oh, so good, right? Yeah. So that's cool. Motivating. If you could have been playing that when you pulled my ass off the mountain, bro, that was probably humming it as I was coming in. I swear, if I if I would have heard that, I'm hearing it now though. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everybody that you did have that plan. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is good. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, such a good song. Helicopters are awesome. I mean, yeah. they're very versatile. It got me out of a lot of, you know, tight So how squeezes. long did it take you to get good at it? Or to get to where you weren't well, feeling well, like Well, like were I gonna... was saying, we, we just fly probably three plus times a week, three or four times a week, and we do scenarios and we push ourselves. We go out and just brown out after brown out after brown out, or we'll land up on the mountains in the high altitude because it's thinner air thinner air or we'll go out over water and you know try to get in that spray and work with the pjs work with ground teams we'll we'll do all these scenarios and we'll even take out calm troops and say okay you're the survivor and we'll we'll do different things or so we'll, people if you're not familiar familiar with the term brownout it's when they come into land if it's over dirt sand or anything like that it creates a vacuum a tornado and it shoots it straight up the i mean you can't see anything yeah sometimes the dust cloud goes up over 100 feet yeah i yeah. mean it's the most impressive thing to see on the side being in it not good. is completely different altogether as well yeah. so as a very naive person with all military talk um is can you fly any kind of helicopter or are you training? It's just for like a, a just like a bicycle. Um, yes. But I don't know how to start it. I mean, if you get it started for me, yeah. okay, so I, it, I could pick it up and hover it. Yes. A Chinook. All right, so it's like jumping in, say, a regular car to an 18 wheeler to like a something. Yeah. You got to know what buttons do what to get, yeah, get that set going. And, and, and an 18 wheeler, you might, or a bus might be a bigger, wider turn. And yeah. okay, tell me some of the specifics. But it's, yeah. It's flying is flying. Once you get out of the hover and you start moving forward, it's just like an airplane. So it's what no were different. you trained it's, in specifically? Like what helicopters were you? So I started out in the jets, but I just flew. Well, I flew some Cessnas in Hondo out by Uvalde out that way. Mm -hmm. And then T-37s, they've been replaced by T-6s now. Um so flew that, and then I tracked into helicopters, went to Fort Rucker, and we flew the Huey. How's that? Vietnam era. What's that like flying that? It was. It's a pig, but Is it? it was. Uh, it was fun. It was. I didn't know any better. Uh, now, I like the sixty a lot better. It's a lot more yeah, responsive. Sure, yeah. The Huey's old school. You got to worry about that rotor on top because you can do things where it can bonk bonk and then depart mm. and the, just like in vietnam i said there wasn't really very many helicopter guys in the hanoi hilton they're all fighter guys because the fighter guys couldn't eject yeah the helicopter guys oh, yeah, going in they just they're like an anvil so mm. they're going in unfortunately that's so scary and if there's a helicopter crash, there's not typically survivors, right? Theoretically, we, we practice auto-rotations, trying to get it on the ground as safe as possible, and we've got land immediately, and if it starts vibrating, get it on the ground because things can happen real bad real quick. But, yeah, it's it's a survivable aircraft, but you got to be within parameters. you got to have the rotor. You, you sling a blade or you do things, and it starts tearing itself apart what kind of helicopter was your brother in when he was in that crash 
A 60? He, they, it hit um, the top of a... Guidewire. Guidewire. On, 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 on a refueling vessel. Yeah, and... Most people know that. He was in a helicopter crash. He was, was in a hel- That's why he had to retire. Um, years later, just the injuries caught up with him, and... If you can land, if you can land wheels up, even hard, the the, the helicopter's got a 15G stroking system in the mains, our seat stroke, the back seat stroke. Um, 15Gs? It's survivable, but, I mean, in a hard crash, it's usually the speed and then the fuel tank coming, breaking loose and coming through the back in the cockpit. That's what, and the fire. So we try to land, zero out our airspeed and just bring it in. That's... Did your brothers actually hit ground? No, or? hit the ship. Landed on the ship, on Not the superstructure, hanging, hang, hanging off the boat. Not good. Yeah. yeah, there were there was fatalities in yeah. that, um, yeah. which is terrible. But I was down in Florida doing the physical therapy when I got a call about him. Mm-hmm. I was in the hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great story. So scary. And as a matter of fact, I ran into the guy. Well, I, I told you I go down to Florida to do my physical therapy. I was there one year doing it, and I ran into the guy who was flying the bird that crashed. Wow. My, with my brother. And I was like, hey, man, what are you doing here? He crashed another one. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be flying. <laughs> well, I mean, he's walking away from him. Uh, <laughs> oh I mean, gosh. that might be a great pilot. So um, at, how long were you in the military? Like, how long was your service before Red Wing? How experienced were you? I was a <laughs> senior major. I hadn't pinned on lieutenant colonel or 05 yet. So I, I had been flying for years. I started flying in 93, 90, 94, 93, 94, somewhere. And this was 2005. So what's mm-hmm. that? 12 years Yeah. of flying a ton. Yeah. And so what, what number of the point were you on when you got stationed in Afghanistan and when we were there, out there together? Um, I'd done probably seven or eight deployments, but not, they, they were Northern, Southern Watch, Turkey, Kuwait, check, check. stuff like yeah, that. that. This huh? was my first deployment to Afghanistan. How long were you out there? Three. Before, before I picked we, you up? Yeah, before we met. Uh, two months. Okay, that's Less right. than two so months. So we were out there about three months. Yeah. Three months, too. We, so we ripped in the I same got there time. in May. You probably got there in April. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I wasn't there that long, and it was a slow deployment. At the time, we weren't helping the Army with medevac. We were strictly CSAR, and the only thing we did was if it was too dark— Illumination, less than twenty percent illumination. The army wouldn't fly at night, and God, if the, the threat and <laughs> if the threat was too high, they weren't going in. So we'd go when the threat was too high or it was too dark, and we mostly just did some Dutch special forces, some A and A Afghan army A&A guys, yeah, yeah. and we'd do some of that stuff. But it was a pretty slow deployment. I was calling Penny multiple times a day because. We weren't doing much. We were yeah. 72. Normal, when it's busy, we're 12 on, 12 off, and you're that for the whole deployment, four months. Yeah. This one, the we were changing. on 72 hours, and then we're off 72 hours to do whatever. We just would held the beepers, cause, but nothing would happen. Then we'd usually fly off of alert, so it's pretty slow deployment. And then we got the call when we didn't know what it was for. Pack so, a three-day bag. You're going up to Bagram. Let's go ahead and get into that. So you are what station were you at in Afghanistan? Kandahar. You were in Kandahar. so down near the Helmand, mm-hmm. about four four and a half hour flight up to Bagram. So this was the desert, the Barstow, and we were getting called up into the Rockies, if you will. Mm-hmm. 
And what were you thinking when, what was that call like? What were you doing? We yeah. were watching the night prior. I remember we were watching, what's that stupid show, Their Puppets? America. Oh, to America. That's all we watched. <laughs> hey, because that was that oh, deployment. That was that every deployment. time we would fast rope out of a helicopter, that, we would scrap. Yeah. Oh, never mind. No, anyway, start on that. I know. Yeah, I forgot about go down that. Go down a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, we so did. So we were watching that movie, <laughs> and we heard that a Chinook My God, crashed. did you scream that when you came in? Please no, tell me no. you did, dude. I, <laughs> I was know. thinking out loud. No. America. Oh, yeah, anyways. Um, we heard a Chinook crashed, and we went to our intel guys. And they couldn't find anything about it. We saw it on CNN, I think. Oh, my gosh. And and we were like, why can't they find anything about it? We didn't know at the time, but we thought it was weird. And we had heard that a Predator, a UAV, went missing or crashed on the Pakistan border in the mountains down south. So we are like, we stayed up all night, went to bed uh, during the day, because if anything, we were going to be called at night, and got woke up about noon to a magic, magic, magic went over the radios. What does that mean? Yeah, you don't say that. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. At the time, it was... The, uh, it wasn't classified, but it was real world. It's hit the fan. There's some things we, we keep, it's, yeah. just like he's saying. It's not a classified thing, but it's understood. We don't ever talk about it. You, you never, you never, never would, hear it. You'd never hear that over the radio. We'd have training words or this, that. Yeah. So the first thing that went through my mind was, somebody's going to get their ass chewed for that. They're in trouble. And that's, that's the first thing. Putting it yeah, over right. the radio. Over, you loud. would never say that out loud. Yeah. So then we go in, and they said... Pack a three-day bag. You're going to Bagram, up north. And we didn't have anything, so we were thinking, well, maybe it has to do with the Chinook. But I was focused on the Pred, like their wanting us to go search the hills. 
in bad guy country for a sensor or something off of a UAV. And I'm like, this is stupid. We're not going to go hang it out for that. What does that mean, a UAV, for the listeners that don't understand that? that? They're, they're just the remote-controlled... Uh, like unmanned a drone? Aerial vehicle. Unma- a drone. A drone. Yeah, a drone went mm-hmm. down okay. on the Pakistan border. So we... Skinny and I were on alert. And that's an op we do. We go retrieve them. That, that yeah. happened more than you'd think. Yeah. We'd have to go get them. Mm-hmm. So we would, um, we took off. A third plant, uh, helicopter flew up the next day, but me and Skinny flew our two aircraft with our crews up to Bagram. And um, we had our replacement. So it was getting close to the 4th of July. We we're supposed to be home the 4th of July. She had big plans for me uh, at the house, and I was calling every day, and then I suddenly stopped calling. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we get up to Bagram. It's getting dark now, uh, dinner time. And, and we'd been to Bagram, and we've got these temporary hooches and this, that, but they whisked us on behind the fence. And we never play. It, it's literally a black-walled compound. And it's got, right all, it it's got all the, sh- <laughs> all the shaggity shaggies yeah, and stuff man. that they're self-supportive. Yeah, you know who we are. We've got the 160th, there, sure. this, that. We see them come and go, but we're, we're Air Force Rescue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trained, but our mission set's different. So they brief us. They come in, and we went into this plywood. Everything's plywood there. And they sat us down at a table like this. And made all 14 of us. You say that. Is that because um, most Air Force bases are like super nice? He always talks about that. How Air Force bases. Okay, okay, okay. 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 It is is true. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Right there. But it's just because it's a deployed location. Everything's plywood it seems like yeah well i've always i mean obviously he's my source of information i don't really have a lot of other people giving me i think i'm exaggerating i'm not he always says go air force they've got the nicest stuff and Uh, if you're gonna go i remember going to fort rucker and this was their show base and it was an armpit at the time it was terrible and and they complain because our tents have air conditioning units on it (laughs) You're in Iraq for crying out loud, but yeah. you know oh. they get in trouble. Leather and, recliners and, and air conditioners. And I mean an air conditioner. <laughs> they do treat their people right. So, right, yeah. where you, the team guys they had a are pizza hut with a swimming pool. I thought it was boxes. a mirage, man. We like, walked the back of this damn Listen airplane. This guy. So, so, so then we go behind <laughs> this. Started. We go behind this black wall, yeah. and you should have seen their gym. You should have seen their thing. So you yeah, can't say nice. that. Like, yeah. No, I, okay. okay, that's good. Great so regular army, regular navy, maybe, but. We, we don't come close to what they have. Um, but we See had to, si- us, we right? had to like, sit we down. We had to sit them. down and sign <laughs> non-disclosure statements. Oh, and wow. we all had to fill out this paperwork. We're sitting there, 14 of us, before they would even read us in to the classified op of Operation Red Wings. Oh, my gosh. So then they read us in, and we're just sitting in these little folding chairs in a room about this big. And they said, we think someone's alive. Because we got some clicking on the two forty three nothing, our rest the the uh, emergency freak, and that was me playing that sucker like a banjo, bro. Yeah. I was trying to get y'all. <laughs> yeah, so 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 we're like, okay, this is weird, but they they didn't know if it was seals or seals or someone because we'd already lost in Anaconda a seal off of the uh, ramp. Oh, that was happening too. What you're about? So we thought maybe someone fell out of the helicopter 
when it got shot down. So we didn't know specifics. They just gave us, but they said, all we know is we're down. You need to go to Jalalabad and just stay up all night and wait for further words. And Jalalabad was probably an hour, hour and a half flight by helicopter south South. towards a Pakistan border, right on the Pakistan border. That's where they pushed when they went in and got bin Laden. They pushed Mm -hmm. out of Jalalabad. And that's right by Asadabad, which is the mouth of the That was canyons. a big thing when the Russians were in there, too, that place. Yeah, Jalalabad was an old Soviet base. J-Bad. Yeah, J-Bad, There's they a canyon it. that goes through. It's, God, yeah. I thought about so this So anyways, while, man. We, we go down there. Now it's middle of the night. We sat, PJ sat up there, uh, satcom antennas, and we just waited. Real quick, for the listeners that just don't know lingo and all that, the PJ oh, is men. a pararescue that is the special forces it's side Air Force special forces, yeah. of the Air Force, and they are trained to, when you're going in with a the helicopter, they get out and retrieve, right? See, that's what Marcus wanted to do, but he didn't <laughs> score that high on the I didn't get high on my, on my attitude test. <laughs> All of my buddies that I graduated with, a lot of them are dead now. But I mean, they have the I had the best time with them. I I just and that I just with PJs. Good bunch. But a lot of people don't know that. I mean, you know, you hear about seals, you hear about um, rangers and green berets. There's not very many of them. You don't hear a lot. There's not a ton of them. There's not a lot of them. They embed some of them with the tier one guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're medical experts, but they'll. You know, jump out of planes. They scuba, scuba dive. dive. They, do they, they do all that stuff. High angle rescues, swift water rescues. They'll do. Uh, sometimes they do too much. Yeah, little bastards you guys, trying to get in our group. Yeah, yeah you guys they do that too. focus. You know, <laughs> but but yeah. They do that. They do it so much, man. It's cool. anyways, good time. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted to clarify because a lot of our listeners, um, you know, they're interested in all of it. They just don't know the lingo. So. Yeah, they're the guys that go down on the hoist in Vietnam that would get the Medal of Honors and stuff um, to pick up yeah. the the guys and their their combat medics, if you will. But I mean, you ever see this helicopter rolling around with a, with a fishing line with a piece of bait hanging off of it that <laughs> looks like a human? That's a PJ. Yeah. So um, I'm. When you're saying that, I'm picturing Mike Thornton and Tommy Norris, uh, Bat Honor, yeah, all them seals the, the, that were Hey, let me tell you something about them Vietnam PJs. Some of the stories about those jokers are insane. Well, didn't weren't they pulled out by PJs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, and they're like E3. Yeah, man, these, yeah, these are I mean, kids. That, one of the that, guys that he'd been shot multiple times, thought he was dead, put him in a body bag, and went to go throw him away. Right with the rest of that stuff, he's still alive. I mean, and kept going back. Some of them would go back and go, back and back, back, and then, they, and then back. they would eventually die. And then but die. they saved like dozens, dozens of, of dudes, yeah. and, and then eventually they'd die. Same way on Operation Anaconda, the PJ that died on the mountain, he was my uh, my sweet mate in 18 Delta, going through med school. He died. We just graduated, and he that was his first op. And he got two, right? Yeah, he got killed. Chapman, right? Yeah, he got shot in the back. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, dude. I remember hearing that. I couldn't believe he was out there. It went, it went that fast because I was still in a You know, the interesting line. thing, when we meshed in with the 160th and was with their mission planning stuff, we were talking to those Chinook guys, and they were like cool in the gang. Yeah. And they would say, oh, yeah, back when I was in Anaconda, these are the same guys that flew into Anaconda. They're the guys that went and got the, when this HMC-130 crashed yeah. in the snow, they're the ones that went in That's, and dude, rescued that story them. Is crazy. They're the ones that these guys they'd been to all these things. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we haven't been to the dance much, you know. 
So you're there now, though. Okay, so you're in JBAD. Sorry, I took a little. So we're in JBAD. We're listening for further words, and um, about four in the morning, we got words that uh, they had triangulated via national assets, other aircraft, different things. This clicking. So when you were in JBAD, did they finally read you in on like the whole story that that was up in Bagram? When okay. we signed the non-disclosure, they, they briefed that. us up everything. Okay. As much as they knew about the op they were on and the frantic call for help, the Schnooks went in. They don't like going in the middle of the day. It was about four in the afternoon, I mm-hmm. believe. And and they were, as you know, going to put in the teams, and mm-hmm. they took an RPG up the rear end. So. Yeah. Okay. So you're in JBAD, four in the morning. We get words that we're going to go up near the crash site. And look, it was about a square kilometer, maybe a little bigger, of three points of interest where they had triangulated clicking. And is that the F-16 pilots that are triangulating that? or oh, Navy pilots, F-16, national assets, whatever. They, they, put, they, they put all, once, once it hit the fan, everything shifted to, is there an American alive there? Mm-hmm. And and we were just a small piece of the puzzle. Navy assets, constant F-16s, A-10s, Apaches, yeah, once that angel all went, types once of that stuff. Fallen angel, man. They, they did say they were dropping cell phones. Oh, that was for me. Yeah, they were dropping cell phones. They were dropping a lot of things, trying to say we need to talk. Because we were very nervous about this clicking. Because it's pretty easy to get a dead guy's radio. Mm-hmm. And lure you. Oh, in. that was happening. So is that what sure. is that what it is? It was just your radio, and you've got okay, like so a there's an emergency the frequency that you can tap into that does a code that they pick up. Like, hey, and then you can triangulate that position from. And what we, we had heard was your radio was damaged. It was I when two, he got blowed up. I had two of them, and and so the, the and the, there's different freaks now, and there's there's multiple things that go wrong. When I was at the the bottom of the last thing I could do to get help. And, and all it is is clicking. That's all I was doing. And but fact, whose radio were you using? Um, I had two of them. It was, it was the one I got issued. The one, and there was other frequencies but that yeah. get picked up from the other radios. From the, some of the bad guys had gotten their, their radios, and they know how to do it. They freak. They turn those things on. So there was multiple pings. So they'll bring you in. Yeah, bring you in. And his antenna was damaged, yep. is what I heard. So all even if he tried, down. even if he had tried to talk, it was just breaking squelch. Yeah, it wouldn't you work. Know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we could hear. But if a bad guy had it, and a bad guy tried to say, and he knew English, he'd still sound like a bad guy. Right. He wouldn't sound well, like us. There's uh, also certain things that I have to do. Yeah. Like once they pick that up, I, there's certain codes that I know to type, so they'll know. It's, and the guy, the bad guys don't know this stuff. They don't know that like stuff. Like a Morse code But we couldn't, thing. we couldn't get, and the radios now are way better. These were pretty That's archaic us, back right? in the time. Yeah. They, they've now got newer radios <laughs> that can do instant messaging and you don't need to have the radio on you can just turn it on for short periods of time save battery life do lots of cool things and it can communicate a lot easier via satellite instead of with him line of sight we used mostly. to have to sit up in the tent with this i mean most of our weight was batteries for the radio for comms that's the most important thing communication we were the link right just to keep that going and the minute they break that off, well, one element has to stop. If we were under fire, he could make, they can't make a move until I call them in because I wouldn't want to call them in on something bad. And if we don't have any way to do that, it's a problem. So there's multiple ways we communicate all the way to the last one where I was just like. And, and it, was, it, it was his last, he was on his last leg. So this is, 
day, two, two or three days later, mm-hmm. and he's been in World of Hurt for a while. Mm-hmm. So supposedly you saw us, right? That's right. Okay, so Skinny went down, and it's four in the morning. We went out of JBAD, 15 minutes up to Asadabad, and then up towards the crash site, middle up high in the mountains, and we're near the crash site. We're near where they just shot down a helicopter, so we knew they had the capability and this and that. And Skinny went down, and that's when you're low and slow in a helicopter, you're a sitting duck. Mm-hmm. Going fast, it's harder to hit, um, but down the ground, they've got small arms and RPGs and stuff that can get you rocket-propelled grenades. I'm orbiting, trying to support as best as possible while he's hanging it out and looking. We had night vision goggles. We got a FLIR screen, and we're on the open freak, 243 nothing. Usually we use code words. We have word, letter, numbers of the day. We have all this kind of stuff. Colors. Crypto, and only they their radio can hear it. We're in plain open, 243 nothing. This is Air Force Rescue. Show yourself. And we're talking, and we could hear him clicking. We could hear very faint clicks. And we're like, gosh, dang it, if that's... Uh, and it was it was just a bad feeling. And but there's then, no way for you to like zero in on you, where the no. clicking comes and, from. And you think we could see? Yeah. You could be going like this, and we wouldn't be able to see. Yeah. Maybe. They have orange panels. They have strobe lights. They have mirror flashes, things that'll catch our eye. It's it's a lot harder to see from the air than you think it is. Yeah. We have multiple eyes looking out. Especially in that area. But we didn't and it's rugged and a lot and, of people assume that all of Afghanistan is like a flat, dry desert. Mm-mm. But in this specific area, it was like if you're in the mountains in Colorado. It's big trees. It's and, the start of the Himalayas. Yeah, it's I mean it's rugged, rugged pine trees, right. granite cliffs. Mm-hmm. It's it's not no Kandahar or right. yeah, little mountains. So we're sitting there and we thought we could hear clicking. And then the worst time to fly with goggles is at dusk or dawn. So the sun starts coming up and it's too bright, you can't see. And you lift your goggles up and it's pitch black. And then you put them on. So it's terrible. Yeah. And then now it's broad daylight. Now we're hanging it out. We see guys wandering around with shovels over their shoulders and bad guys just playing good probably. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it, it's very or a unnerving. a mix of bad and good. And that's another Very thing. unnerving. A lot of people don't Who's... understand that I've learned is that the bad guys and the good guys are together. Oh, totally. They're, it's not like how, you know... People in the U.S., you just don't affiliate yourself with the bad people. There, it's just, it's a melting pot. Yeah. It's your brother in the house could be Al-Qaeda or Taliban or whatever, and you could be a good guy that wants to help everybody. There's just, yeah. it's literally households are mixed. Yeah. So it's not like the there's a concentrated area of just bad That also gives them too. If they have a bad day or something like that, man, go over here and bust up an American. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, they're there. They don't care. They don't care. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that. It really is. So it was interesting that we could see people, but we couldn't see. And we, at the time, we didn't know who. Um, and then we literally flew below our bingo which means we have to leave. We've only got enough gas to get down to Asadabad. And we do that, 
and we leave. Marcus sees us leave, and that probably was an awesome feeling. Uh, he's he's I kept he's on move. his last <laughs> last leg, <laughs> last leg, and this we were there to get him out, and we couldn't see him, and he couldn't show himself for fear of numerous things. So then we go Asadabad via SATCOM from Al Udeed in Saudi Arabia. No, 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 they got gas for you at JBAD. So we overfly the gas. We barely, we got our low fuel lights flashing. Oh my gosh. And we get back to JBAD. There's no tankers. So then they want us to fly to some other op point, some army post. And we're like, no, we're stopping at JBAD, figure out the gas. They said, okay. And this was a small marine outpost at the time, not very many tents. They said, go, go get some sleep. You've been up forever. We'll figure out the gas and get back with you. So that's what we did. And then about dinner time, a Chinook came in with a big bladder of gas in the back. They called it a fat cow and filled us both up. Now it's dark. And I'm like, well, since you're here, why don't you stay another night? And remember, this was a small Marine outpost. Um, not very many Marines. They, they really didn't even have food there. The thing that I remember, and it seems weird that I still remember it, but Pop-Tarts and Red Bull was mm-hmm. all they had, it seemed like. And That's all you some need. MRAs. I could live off Pop-Tarts. That's right. So, Red Bull's all you need. <laughs> so, so we're sitting there. And remember, I'd been calling Penny one, two times a day. And I'm just in the middle of nowhere wishing I could call, but I can't. Eating Pop-Tarts and Red Bull and just waiting We did get word back from Bagram that, unfortunately, the clicking stopped. And our hearts sunk. Mm. The battery's dead, died, got captured. We didn't know what had happened. And about midnight, the weather was rolling in. About midnight, we got called out to Camp Blessing, which is a small marine outpost in the middle of nowhere up the Peck River Valley, mm-hmm. up from Asadabad. Isn't Camp Blessing where the elder took the note? That's why we were called there, yeah. was the village elder, some village elder had hiked out of the mountains mm-hmm. and had, um, they, he had information about an American in their village. And we're like, yeah, whatever. So we tried to go. It was some of the hardest rain I'd been in. It and was we had amazing. To, we had to turn around. That was a and biblical go, storm. We had I to mean, go I'm... back to JBAD. It was so bad. Wait for two hours. Then we went up this tight canyon. Um, it reminds me of Salt Lake up by Snowbird and Alta. Little Cottonwood Canyon. Tight granite cliffs. And we're flying up there in the weather. And then Skinny went in, landed while I'm trying to just orbit at the Y in the river where Camp Blessing was. And uh, it was, I, I, I wasn't even looking at skinny. I'm just trying not to hit the, the rock walls. It was so tight and it was dark. I just remember how dark it was. And our FLIR doesn't work when there's humidity and when it rains as good. But my goggles and my FLIR, usually one's good because they're different. The infrared camera is good. Infrared, that's what FLIR or for, my goggles, infrared. which are phosphorus-based. But both were bad. Come to find out two days later that my FLIR was 
broke. Oh my it gosh. It wasn't working that well. Look, everybody and has to do everything went wrong. If yeah. I would have known. <laughs> I mean, yeah. everything went wrong. So Skinny got this village elder. We took him down to Asadabad to get debriefed, which I was told by, um, and we saw him, some big shaggy shaggies, FBI agents in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, I mean, we'd work with CIA and stuff overseas and other customers, if you will, but FBI, but they, they had Columbia gear and backpacks, and we just dropped this old dude. Yeah, they're great. And he had his isoprep, a note that Marcus had written some of his classified statements on, mm -hmm. that we all, when we go to combat, we have our own numbers, letters, colors, whatever, and statements. Mine was uh, girlfriends. I didn't know her at the time. <laughs> Hair color and stuff. My car, my... My first car was a 1979 yellow four-door Chevy Chevette. <laughs> nice. Now, people think it was a Corvette, but it was a Chevette <laughs> um, that you could get a lot from because we don't want to burn it. What's the sum of the, the last two letters of the year? What's the second letter of the color? What's the, We don't just say what color was it, yellow. Yeah. You know? yeah. So we try to save as much as we can if we've got to utilize further interrogation because what we don't want is some bad guy clicking his radio yeah. and we go in and then they light us up. Right. They call that a SAR trap search. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and they do it for sure. Yeah, they're good at. It. I mean, you got to think as good as we are, they're on the other side playing our playing. It's like a chess game. Yeah. Right. And and they watch. That was the biggest thing too, because they communicate not nonstop all the time. It's it's like the cartels up there. I mean, they there's they may be in the mountain boys, but don't let that fool you. Yeah. yeah. They're freaking good. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um. So yeah. So we picked them up, dropped them off, get back to JBAD, and they said. Just wait until morning, and finally, about 8.30, they let us fly back to Bagram. Did they tell you um, that the note was good? We didn't know. We just knew that he had information. We didn't get all that till we got back to Bagram. So we got back to Bagram, and the first thing I wanted to do was call Penny because mm -hmm. it had been a couple days. I told my friend 
to call Penny, but that got all messed up, you know, and he told his wife to tell, and then, and then yeah. it was like, I'm Whatever all right, you do, I'm just don't out say and about, this. <laughs> but, but he basically, she got the word that Jeff's, something big's gone, he's out in bad guy, you know, I mean, it's not good. And she had already been watching the news. So oh, yeah, that's right, it was all over the news by now, All right? over yeah. the news, yeah. that Missy Navy SEAL and this and that. I don't where I was at that yeah. point in my life. Because this was, yeah, my mom so told my mom about this. So, I, so I called her, and I was on a base phone. Had to go through the base operator, you know, this, that. And the first thing out of her mouth, you know, are you working anything with that Navy SEAL, missing Navy SEAL, helicopter craft, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All these questions, and, you know, we just sign non-disclosure right. statements, and you can get in big trouble. Plus, right. somebody's probably listening to all the phone calls. Right. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're you like, know, no, if I Mom. did, yeah, if you did, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She just was happy to hear my yeah. voice, and she knew that I was with Mike. So if I was with Mike, I was on a big base with like twenty thousand good guys, and mm-hmm. this that. When I'm out and about, I'm not, yeah, it, around a lot of good guys. Yeah, we do do that. There is code words, yeah. So they'll be so, yeah, I mean, so, so so she knows that I'm with Mike. That, that that meant I'm here, but if I'm out and about, that meant it wasn't good. So they said, go get cleaned up. We got some real chow, uh, showered, and, and we'd been up all night, so we got some rest. Skinny and I were called to a brief. Had you? Had you been up all yeah. night? Was it stressful? Yeah. <laughs> Skinny and I had uh, been... Ben, whatever. I'm just messed, dude. I'm just. He, he's, ju- he's jealous. I'm just I had to be, I had, come on, man. I, I had to be rested. Balls. I had to be well rested for you. <laughs> so it was it was a good child? Yeah, but it was. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Good food. I wish I could yeah. have some I Red Bull, hot tart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the Pepsi bottle. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we went back to the brief, and that that time is when we got word that yes, indeed, um, it was a good note. Um, they had already hiked in a 20-man soft team because we thought it could have been coerced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it could have been tortured yeah. out of him, but he was alive. He's real bad off. We're going in tonight to get him. And it was Latrell. So we are like, okay, come back an hour later, 16.30, for a flight brief. And that was the one I was mentioning to where me and Skinny were just going to be with our PJs, five-mile offset, and we're just there if we're needed. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got extraction tools and different things that we could go if somebody pranked it up or got hurt or crashed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there, and that's the brief. They're, they're saying they're going to bring a Chinook in, back them up, get them on the ledge. Because it was a small ledge, and they could have easily backed up. You'll see them put their ramp down, and the guys all get on. And uh, they said there was another American, cleanly shaven 19-year-old, I remember they said, which no one was cleanly shaven, and that's pretty young, 10 clicks away. And there was so much confusion, not knowing this, that, the commander at the time decided to hike the 20-man soft team after they got Marcus to this other survivor, if you will. Mm now it's only one person. I can use my Chinooks better. And that's when he looked over at Skinny and I and said, 60s, you got the pickup. And that's when I didn't, I, I didn't hear him at first because, quite frankly, I wasn't listening that loud. It was all for them. 
And I'm like, did he just say we got the freaking pickup? Yeah, what did he say? What did he say? <laughs> and I'm like, serious? And Skinny's like, yeah, I think so. Now everybody's looking at us and talking. Then they wanted to know all this stuff. How do we operate? How are we going? Here's the satellite imagery of the ledge. This is the plan. This is the time. You both can't fit on it. It's not that big. So who's going to go in? Are you both need to go in? I guess there's only Marcus, so probably only one. All these questions. And um, we had an AC-130, which is a decked-out gunship. Inspector. And we had a flight of A-10s. And they were very interested in knowing how we were going to get in and get out of the objective. Because H, maybe I've always wondered this, H hour, is that for hit? What's the H for? Yeah. It's for hit, right? Yeah. They called it H hour. I didn't know what the H meant, but I assume since they're all operators, it's a and hit. When we're talking about aircraft, when you're talking about a Spectre and A-10s, that means you're going in there to screw some stuff up. Yeah. So H hour was at 1130 at night. So H hour means like that's the time that all hell's breaking needs loose. to happen? I was going to be on the ledge. <laughs> at H hour. At H hour. And we train. We talked about all these training flights. Uh-huh. Plus minus two seconds. So I was going to be on the ledge at 1130. Mm-hmm. H minus five. 1130 or, p.m.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. H minus five was five minutes prior to H hour. They were going to light up the place. And that painting I showed you in the mm-hmm. Pentagon, it shows the gunship shooting, the A-10 Dude, shooting, the bombing. Thing you ever seen, and they man, I, lit, uh, they started lighting that place Fourth up. of July. So this is something that is very different from the movie. Um, like oh, yeah. When people ask... Like, you could the, have done the landing in the movie. It was in a yeah, football was, field during the day. <laughs> yeah, during the daytime. Kind of, I, I make that so, perfectly clear when I talk about yeah, that. We, I, I had no control, but yeah, that's for we, a good reason. I know. We At do, least it was an Air Force. We are definitely like very you know pro the movie and all that, but that was something when people ask what is different and what's not... That is a specific thing that was extremely different. The, it would have been hard to film you, and capture that. Hours. It yeah, would have a, yeah completely different, and, and it would have been dark. And I was like, yeah, they could have just like close your eyes, and that's how dark it was. And shit, you man, know, it was, and it was weather. It so, gets better. Keep going. So, so we're getting nervous. We're getting yeah. nervous. Um, and finally, that's when Skinny. And remember, Skinny was flight lead the week prior. I was flight lead. This lead, he was flight lead. And I was happy as happy because he led us up to Bagram. He went in and got the village elder. He was the low bird while I was the high bird covering. He was doing all that stuff. But tactically, we send number two in because uh, it's a lot safer in a lot of situations if you have to go around and this, that. So you mark the survivor, pop up. You're still got energy. Remember, you're not slow. Because mm-hmm. if he's starting an approach and he starts getting real slow, I got to speed up to protect him. And then he goes around. Now we're real close. It's dark. But if he keeps his energy while I'm slow, he's already up and got guns to bear on me as I'm so your real slow. Helicopter had guns on it. Yeah, both of them did. Okay. When yeah, we went bait. in, when one, we, that's yeah. called a bait op too, well, man. Like one of them is to, to, to distract, so the other yeah. can get in there. So they pop up, and people are looking, so I can get in. Um, the, it, interesting enough, uh, when we were coming in, so we had they had basically just said, 
we're going to, he said, a trailer spooky. And what that meant is I was going to send my trail bird in and I'm going to do a spooky pattern. And uh, that's when my heart sunk. That's when I was, holy crap. And then they all started looking at me, wanting to know what we're going to do. And we had the imagery. We briefed it up and went and told our guys because at the time they still thought we were just five miles offset. So went and told them we said... the PJs? Yeah, and, the crew. Yeah. The rest of the crew. It was just mm -hmm. Skinny and I that were in the meeting. And we started prepping our birds and getting ready to go. And, and these pre-planned ops, we don't do a lot of pre-planned ops. We get a call, somebody's hurt, we go in, we're getting stuff as we're going, we do it, and then we're done. This I had like five hours to think about, or four hours, and you're just like, okay, I don't like this. And all I'm thinking about is Penny and my four small boys back mm -hmm. in Tucson. And like, dude, you can't screw this up. And uh, we, we had the A-team, we were well-trained, and I remember that hour and a half flight down there, you know, just super quiet, want to know. As I said, my flight engineer was a two-tour Vietnam guy. He was cool in the gang. Yeah, he yeah, was like, this is great, nothing. Right? But the college student was pinging. What can I shoot? What can I shoot? What can I shoot? I'm like, dude, we're not going to freaking shoot anything. There's 20, That's a real thing. 20 soft guys on the ground. Unless we're taking direct fire, we cannot return fire. So, and dudes will kill anything. Yeah. So, I'm just picturing Hunter in that yeah, situation. Exactly. Um, 19 years old, a hell of a in her head, dude. What do you want me to kill? Yeah. I mean, that's how they are. They're awesome. Yeah. So, and I was worried about weight because that's the only thing I have control of now mm -hmm. is... That I know the density altitude, I know the temperature, I, I, I know where I'm going to land, I know what I need, but we're flying, and as I said, the weather the night prior was terrible. It still wasn't that good. Overcast, scattered storms, lightning, and um, we're, really we're blacked out. We're blacked out because we don't want to turn on lights or cockpit lights even. Yeah. So we've got these green slime lights. They're just... A, a green haze on the back and I can I can tell where I'm at because they're in a shape of a Y on the back of Skinny's tail so I stack a little high and I can see them but I'm close and I don't dare leave because I've lost buds that try to rejoin and they mesh rotors and then everybody dies mm. so I didn't dare go out over the um, river I didn't want to lose him and you're in combat, you don't want to, okay, I'll orbit and wait for you. You know, yeah. you want to just get in and get out. Yeah. I remember one of the A-10s was having trouble with his targeting system. So we had to go up towards Blessing and turn around in this tight canyon, which was a little dicey. And about that time it had started and you could see up in the mountains, it looked like a storm going off because it was steep. We, we had to kind of climb up. And Skinny had a more powerful bird. His FLIR was working. I mean, all these things. Um, I think there was a reason why I was supposed to pick up Marcus because it just worked out. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back, but mm -hmm. he was supposed to get off the mountain that night. Mm -hmm. And we're climbing up, and it's the whole time there, I was nervous thinking about, but as soon as I dumped that gas, you know, you go into autopilot, you go into mission mode, and you're not thinking of anything 
but the mission now. Mm-hmm. Nothing's distracted. You're hyper-focused on what needs to happen. <clears throat> and you're going, I just remember we got five radios, a lot of chatter going on. And you don't need, it seems like they want to talk to you at the most inopportune time. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking like Saudi Arabia and back at Bagram. You're like, shut up, dude. Yeah. Look, look, we'll talk to you in a minute. We're going. It's all happening. They knew kind of where the bad guys were, and they're doing diversionary strikes. They're just blowing this place up except for where we were coming. And the objective, they called it uh, Barracuda, mm. was the uh, LZ, the landing zone. And it was supposed to be authenticated and lo- and a single IR strobe light was going to be in the center of it. And you can see that for a long time. And it's just a strobe light with an IR cover. So all, only we can see it through goggles. Mm. Well, as soon as they started blowing this canyon up, all those idiots turned on their strobe lights on their helmets to say oh friendly. Gosh. Because that's what they do. I mean, when they see, see, and Marcus knows, I'm turning my strobe light on, so, hey. You don't shoot me. These are friendlies over here. There's other things we have, too, but that's one of the things we have. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so they all turn on their strobe lights. And now, because they're surrounding the village, they're protecting. You can't believe this looked like up there, man. There's just strobe lights (laughs) going. There's stuff going on all around us. Me and Skinny are crescendoing our voices. We're kind of freaking out. Like, I, I don't know which one of the strobes. We're freaking. He's supposed to mark it. I'm supposed to go land. And it's just getting, and it seemed like all was just really getting bad. But I was hoping the AC-130, because at the brief, I said, don't you have one of those big-ass lanterns <laughs> that you can, like, like, light up a football field? From the from, from way up, up high, and it's infrared, so the bad guys can't see it, and you just see it, and it's just like oh, like those big things at the the yeah. mall that you yeah. know, like that, but it's got an IR Shoot. filter on it. And it he said, was- yeah, it depends on what we're doing at the time, what sensors we got up, but H minus thirty seconds, I'll light that ledge up like a football field. He said, so I was like, okay, at least because I couldn't see nothing. Yeah. And then right about 30 seconds prior, it looked like lightning, you know, and it was the clouds. And they screamed over the rescort freak, halos was our call sign, halos, negative burn, negative burn. And they couldn't burn through the clouds. Oh, my gosh. And so now I'm not going to get the light. We don't know which freaking strobe is the right one. And... It's And the last thing we want to do is start orbiting up there. One, we're highlighting, like, oh, this is maybe a point of interest we're interested in. Yeah. We want to get in and get out. Yeah. And right then, the A-10s had heard it. He cycled his targeting pod or laser over to Barracuda. Instead of dropping a bomb on it, he just lit it up. And it was like, as I called it, a flashlight from God just just oh this laser gosh. beam it's right on the ledge seen, right on the ledge <laughs> and there's <laughs> probably a strobe light in the middle of that and it was like a flashlight beam and it just went and skinny said out my right door now popped up he got into his uh spooky i start my approach and then i was just going to do a pedal turn and land on this ledge that was not much bigger than this room maybe a little wider 
and then it had a, about a 15-foot cliff face there and then a big drop-off down here. Which is where we were. And it kind of went, and I was supposed to land on that ledge, Thanks get him, and then dive off. Well, it was all working out good. Now the laser went away. I slow. There was a mud hut. I remember a big antenna, a big pole with an antenna. They had those in each of the villages, a tree, and then this rock face. So I was just going to do a pedal turn and land. The footage we saw from the 160th was a green cultivated terrace where they farm their crops or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was newly, it was dirt. And so I came in and coming in about 15 feet, just had a brownout. And that's, brownouts are bad during the day. Night brownouts are really bad. Night brownouts at altitude are really bad because now your helicopter is in thinner air. Night brownouts in combat at altitude are really, really, really bad. You don't want... And you, you usually... How you can do it is you hit and roll them on. Mm -hmm. But you can't... It, it was stupid. Yeah. I didn't think about it browning out. And that's when I got scared. That's when, if you've ever been in a traumatic accident or anything, it seems like everything goes slow motion. And you're just hyper aware of all things. And I'm thinking a lot of things. I'm thinking about Penny. I'm thinking about my boys. I'm thinking about Marcus. I'm thinking about I'm going to freaking crash. I'm thinking what a failure. I can't believe. And all this is just going on. And I'm freaking. The guys in the back are on the floor laying down. They can see straight down. And they're screaming stop left because I'm drifting towards the thing where our rotor blades are going to hit the wall. That's right. Dave Gonzalez knew I was going to come back hard right when he heard those guys screaming stop left. So he took his hands from the throttles down here and caught the collective as I came hard right, probably too hard right. And right when now, again, thinking all was lost, that that 15-foot um, thing went off. Ours kind of came to a point, but that one was a longer terrace. And about 40 feet out, you could see a bush or grass or something hanging, hanging off the plant, edge of right? it. Yeah, I, I, I equated it to a pot like yeah, with those well, draping yeah, things yeah, yeah, like well, my mom had on the back like patio. Like a fern or something? Yeah, <laughs> like a fern hanging over. over and yeah. I could see it moving with the rotor wash. And if you think about it, if that's on my windscreen and I go up or down, it changes perspective. And it, you, you don't think about it. You don't put an X on there with a grease pencil. It's just, I just instantly, because you've got a reference point now. Right. Because I didn't have a reference point at all. Oh, my gosh. And I saw it. Then he called me down. We land. I remember yelling at Cusick, the flight engineer, because I can't see. We had doors on at the time. I can't see but just the black abyss, the cliff. So we're very close to the edge. And uh, later he told me, he's like, sir, I knew that your hands were full. I knew we were fine. And uh, I opted to put us there because he didn't want to put us next to the, the cliff face. And I mean, that, right there. You and, left it up that far, man. It that's when they opened the door and then we're sitting there kicking water out the left, Ben, the gunner. And then 
these two bad guys start rushing the helicopter because they could have a vest on, they could have a grenade, they could have numerous things. You do not let bad guys get near the helicopter. And they're dressed in man jammies and rushing the, the helicopter. Tail. We're coming with the tail. And you never even come by a helicopter at the tail. Never. Ever. There's a tail. <laughs> never router. do that. Yeah, it's... Unless you've been in a village for a No, no, no. This is what oh. happened. This is the best part he left out. So I'm talking about when I, we were laying on the side of this. Man, I've been yearning to yell this out at you for a long time. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. When y'all came out that canyon, all I could see was that fluorescent green glow and that bioluminescent spin off those rotors. You could see y'all coming. And the weather was bad. I mean, it sucked. We're, this is one of those things where we're not even doing it justice. It was terrible. And when you, I remember leaning over that ledge, remember how, because it went down, it was completely black. Looking down in there, and all you could see was that green thing coming. It's like some fucking dragon. Excuse my language. I'm sorry, man. But it, I, and then it disappears. I swear, for, for kind of an eternity. And imagine I was kind of looking over, and he came over on the other side of this table. And his rotors poked up over that, and it went from dead quiet to you could hear the gun battle because we to where that rotor was in our face. I mean, like he literally that wall was flying. And as soon as he capped over that ledge, that dust kicked up, man. And I mean, it felt like a tornado just sack lifted over the top of us. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You couldn't see in there. You couldn't see anything. So explain your position at that time. You are being, you and Gulab are arm in arm. Yeah, lay, I'm laying on this ledge. I, I had a, I'd taken a helmet. It hit me with the morphine, man. So I wouldn't feel any pain. I was kind of giggling. I get happy, apparently. And I had this helmet on that didn't fit with a pair of nods and a, what looks like a Luke Skywalker lightsaber. And, and his lid, those Mipleys, and had that sucker on and was pointing everything out. And then they were like, hey, the Lieutenant Ken, if anybody ever wondered if Captain America is real, he is. That lieutenant that came in, he looks just like Steve Rogers. <laughs> Blonde hair. His kid's freaking in. And he's, I mean, the best dude. He's like, hey, our ride's coming. And I mean, we look down on the thing and can see y'all freaking rolling up the hill. And I mean, in your, in your head, you can hear this, this cool music playing. And when he popped over the top of that, I'm telling you, like, I was leaning my head over the ledge, and I had to roll back over because he came up. Like, you're not supposed to be that close to a helicopter ever. Yeah. We had no, no death perception. That was gone. But you were with yeah, Ken uh, the Ken, the Green Berets, Gula was laying on top of me. And yeah, Gulab. and the Travis Osborne, all of them, all of those guys, Bo, fucking redneck sergeant dude. I mean, these are hodgepodge of dudes, a, a freaking crew. So he fit right in. And I mean, when he poked up over that ledge, we saw him for a half a second. You see the glow in there a little bit, and then it just went completely black. And he dumped it in there. He didn't give a shit. I'll never forget you coming over the top. I could just see the belly of that thing for half a second, man, and it completely disappeared. That's why we came up at the tail. 
We yeah, had no idea what I moved it, forward moved and they forward. were back here and I landed and it was thin so they they really couldn't come to the side. They had that to carry much. me. Two guys had to carry me and then there was a guy behind me. We were dressed up in man jammies. Yeah, like yeah, was he, he was more than being carried. He, he, at this time he was rushing the helicopter. Getting the hell out of the way. Yeah, it was like let's go. So they were going <laughs> to shoot him. Um until clearly they saw an American behind him, and then that's when... Okay, this is God's hand right here, because I fell. Remember oh, that? I, yeah, I tripped. Oh, I didn't know. I tripped and fell and came over with those two guys, and Travis standing by me had that, that American flag on his chest, had that glint, and the PJ's laser... That's it, when they it, saw it. Yeah, that's why he pulled up, because yeah, yeah. he saw that, that, that American flag. He was about because I didn't have any of that. I was dressed just like yeah, a as I hat. said, you were supposed to be picked up that night. Yeah, and so. it, oh, here's what happened. Gulab had my weapon. And then they gave it back to me to carry to the bird. So I had my weapon like this. And they th when they threw me on board, they're like, who are you? I was like, I'm the Spider-Man. Yeah. And they're like, all right. That was one of his action heroes is yeah. for the authentication. Threw him in the back. Oh, it's still Just like that. Threw me in the back. <laughs> threw him in the back. And Checky, Checky clicked, clicked in, in on the comm and said, go, go, go. And that's all I heard. And we'd probably been on the ground... Probably 30 seconds. Whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't Whatever. that long. No, it wasn't, man. That was, it was like 50 minutes because it seemed like <laughs> freaking ever, It wasn't dude. that long. I know, but... So it was short. We did that. We got him in. Because you had to kick that water door. off. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, but that takes two seconds. I'm just Anyways. saying that added some extra benefit to it because we didn't know that. Yeah. And I, well, we had to, you know... The word on the ground was that the guy, everyone was getting on the plane, on the bird. But then that follow-on mission came on those other two. You know, and one so, of them we can't talk yeah. about, right? Okay, so when y'all were kicking that water off... That was, that's what seemed like forever to me. Because then yeah. they were like, hey, let's go. And we kind of got up around. No, no, no. It was it was quicker than he's thinking. Remember, he was hopped up on morphine. Right. All I right, mean, whatever. I, <laughs> I was. Okay, yeah. I was hopped up on morphine. It, it, it seemed like forever. Well, and that's the interesting <laughs> thing for me to, as his wife, to hear other people's you know perspectives of the story. Everybody has their own version of the story of that time. And it's so crazy to me that everybody that I talk to the story it all matches up I mean yes there might be some minutes or whatever uh messed up but everybody it's like a puzzle and everybody's story fits together just perfectly and it's so amazing to me that yes I mean I know it's traumatic and I know it, it's caused a lot of heartache and in really dark times but if you think back, everybody's become stronger in the end for it. Um, even, like, those that we lost, the families come out, like, I'm not saying they're better. That's not what I mean. Like, I'm saying that everybody has, there's a positive that's come out. From their lives. There's a yeah, positive right. that has yeah. come out of it, whether it's being able to honor these heroes that... Um, that didn't make it and in their legacy, their story has impacted so many lives. Think of all of the guys that have signed up for the teams because of this story oh. or into the air force or the army or whatever, because of the story or that have gone in to be a doctor because they want, you know, like all I have heard so many stories of people that because of whoever's version of the story, it impacted a random individual so much that it changed the trajectory of their life. Yeah. And I that's to me that is so neat that all these puzzle pe pieces have changed. So because I no one can brag about y'all like I can. Lives. I mean, the fact that you had to come and get me. So when I tell a story about you, man, I got I tell it people don't believe it. And then you walk up and you'll say it 
from your perspective, and it matches when it matches up. Like, hey, I've told you, man, mm-hmm. y'all can't believe it. Everything went wrong for us out there. Yeah, yeah. it was. It, it was. was it was crazy. unbelievable, yeah. man. And but just, it worked. It worked. And that was the great thing it was about the craziest it. Craziest thing. And man, that's I... when it hit. When when we took off and we were gonna go down and do a transload onto a waiting C-130 that had doctors, nurses, this, that at J-Bag. Oh, yeah, that's what they went to work on. Um, we, we make a call whenever we do a pickup, and it's another word, popcorn. Popcorn plus one. But Gulab jumped on with him, mostly because he wouldn't let go of Gulab. <laughs> and I said popcorn plus two. Because mm. they are like, dude, the freaking shepherd's on. I'm like, what? And so there was confusion in our cockpit. Uh-huh. And oh, then, that's right. Y'all didn't know that, right? And we didn't know he that's was right, coming right. on. And, yeah. and and then the guys, we said popcorn plus two. And they're like, um, <laughs> who? Uh, who? Understand popcorn plus two? And I'm like, yes, popcorn plus two. Okay, so what we heard was popcorn plus two. <laughs> like I'm you're like, talking to the space shuttle right guys, now. Like Apollo 13. And, yeah, like, and then fi- say again. Yeah, finally, I'm like, we picked up two guys. Okay. Well, the second guy is not going to J-Bad. So we're like, you want us to stop? And they said, yes, drop him off at Asadabad. Oh, my gosh. Where we dropped off the village. The other guy. His mm-hmm. uncle or dad or whatever. I don't know what he is. Yeah. So we drop him off there, and then we take off and go the 15 minutes to J-Bad. And that's when, that was the first time I saw Marcus. Because up front, I, I, I'm not really looking back. But I leaned forward, and they took him out the left side, and we landed right at the back of the waiting C-130 with his ramp down. And, and they were, he, he, uh, was, uh, quick. He, he was under both things. They got him up there. He collapses on a ramp, and they start taxiing before the gates even, or the ramps even up. I think it was moving forward. He got him locked down. Yeah, so then we went and got gas, and then we shut down because we were the thing that night, so the tankers were there. So we got gas shut down, but they were like, well, it's only 11.45. You might as well stay around in case we need you through the night. And I remember shutting down, and I just visibly, like this bad, started shaking. Oh, my gosh. And I did, I'd never felt that. I'd never had that happen, and it was just weird. And Chucky's hitting my window. Spanky, you're the man. You know? and, and those guys are idiots because they have no clue how close we were of dying. You know? That, that, no, like on the precipice of death the yeah, entire time. Yeah, but they're they're going to town, and I'm just freaking Cracking out. Cracking the beers in the back, being like, woo! That adrenaline has just left my body, and I just... All there was was Red Bulls and Pop Tarts, but all I wanted Hell to do yeah. there's a sponsorship right was there, bro. talk to Penny. But I knew I was out and about. And one of the Marines had heard me say something like that. And he's like, We got a freaking sat phone in the back. He probably said just like the Major Brett like, like that. What? Hey man, we got a that, sat phone. That in the back. would have been nice. So I went back to the sat phone and you don't need to call the base operator. You can call directly. Mm-hmm. And I call her cell number. And we had just built a house. And so she was at the fabric store getting fabric for curtains, right, that you're making. And Every great story starts that way. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there, and, and, and she's like, oh, okay, are you with Mike? No, I'm out and about. Okay, I don't like that. 
and then this uh, and then she started asking all these questions and and concerned that I was out and about when am I going to get back blah 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 whatever and I guess I just was saying everything is really really good okay I know blah 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 blah, blah. you're in back <laughs> blah, blah, blah. everything's really really good and about the third time I said that I guess I just I guess kept saying it and then it gets quiet and then she said did you just do what you've been training your whole career to do? And I'm getting a little emotional, but it was, and sitting here with you mm-hmm. that I got that idiot off the mountain <laughs> that night. It? I can't believe you came and got him. And his two kids that I'm hopefully going to meet sometime after school. Yeah. It, it, that's what rescue's about, is mm-hmm. our combat mission is to put our ass on the line to save someone else's life. Mm-hmm. It's not taking life, not that we don't have guns and, and we're trained, but our combat mission is to save lives. And and like the PJ Creed, you know, these things we do that others may live. And it's 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 God's mission. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I I miss it. It's a it was a great rescue uh, of all time, man. You know, it was a good I, one, dude. I enjoy it. You know, and then two nights later, I said I'm good. I'll watch the radios. Chalk three came in, and Skinny went and got Murph and Danny. That, that's another thing because we, we had talk about we man, getting everybody got, out of there. We hadn't found Axe yet, so they went and got them. But they had to take off all their weapons, all their armor, air crew. They were bare minimum because the commander wouldn't let them be in a hover less than 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And we had to pick both of them up and drop off water for the PJs. Can you believe that? That's, so, a, that's a wild story, it, getting it, them guys. Yeah, it, was, it was an interesting, as, I, as he said, you know, even on that other podcast, it's a whole story in and of itself, just what it took. And we were just a small piece of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that big st- and we've only been talking about this about five minutes. You gotta understand, this is freaking last for days just to get you know this. Yeah. How how intense that was. As I said, it's it's crazy. It's, right? crazy. <laughs> it's full on crazy to see what they went through and him even being alive, let alone us finding him. But it was I couldn't believe that Gulab that saved his life. You know, I hope your whole that got him. That man, love yeah. him dead. Yeah, hey, uh, that's a crazy story. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Can't believe I was part of it. <laughs> well, we got him off were. the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, I appreciate that. I, yeah. Make sure. But it was, yeah, it was all those training sorties that we do that when it was time, it worked. Yeah. yeah I mean, you couldn't have and written that. So every hope. every person we had to go in there, you actually had to do your your deal. Mm-hmm. 
and there wasn't any way to get around it. They put us, it's almost everyone in a scenario that he couldn't get out of. They stripped that helicopter down, they put them in the middle of that canyon, you were gonna turn around, complete mm-hmm. brownout. I mean, every option that you kind of go through, that, that's why you wrote the manual now. So uh, yeah, it, it worked out. <laughs> so you know? what's your life been like since then? I did two other um, deployments to Afghanistan. And, and quite frankly, there was crazy times on those. It's just I mean, it kept going. some knucklehead didn't write a book about it or make a movie about it, you know. But yeah. um, it, it was very rewarding. Um, hundreds of hours of combat time with multiple lives saved of all types of NATO forces, special forces, army guys getting blown up in uh, Humvees and MRAPs. Um, that golden hour, we even meshed in with Apaches on our wings so we could make yeah. dual rescues. Um, oh, we didn't talk about that too because the Apaches, they were they usually covered down on us when we would. Yeah, Apaches are a formidable weapon system. But yeah, I did that. Uh, came home after my last deployment and uh, became an operational test pilot and put cool widgets and gadgets in the helicopter radios and touch screens and moving maps and that's cool and then retired in 2016 after 25 years oh my god i thought the one thing that happened to us going through all of that is that we were allowed to say hey look this is what works mm-hmm. i mean it, it kind of pushed away what was nonsense and what what what, what wasn't yeah is that fair to say that yeah i mean we did that, that in our that, community that's how, too man that's how it all started back with Desert Eagle back in the early 80s when it went really bad, when they were going to go in and get the Iran hostages. Yeah. And it was joint, but none of the jointness was talking at all, and everybody had different tactics and procedures. That's when SOCOM came together and said, if we're going to do things like this, we need to be on the same sheet of music, and they've been refining it over Ever the since, decades. Yeah. yeah, It's like a, a, up to each each portion is so sharp, but then they also fit with the other ones. I mean, it's a it's a package. Yeah. And it's every guy, when something presents itself, there's something to step in and deal with it. Like, you don't have to have somebody roll around trying to figure it out. We got somebody for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That definitely happened. For sure. But it's, I've stayed close to the community. I went and worked for a uh, large defense contractor. I didn't really like the bigness of it. Mm-hmm. Working for a small defense contractor out of uh, Ogden, Utah, by Hill Air Force Base. I work out of my house, and I'm doing the same thing that I did. I'm 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 checked out to fly the the helicopter, not those kind of sorties, but maintenance, ferry flights, test flights. We used to have and a place I, in Eden, Utah. Yeah, it's right down the canyon right from Eden. From by Ogden, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful area. It that's why oh, man. I was just over the hill in Cache Valley where I grew up. So that's Utah's home. so beautiful. I oh, love really? that place. That's, home. that's a favorite place. beautiful area love of the United States. I mean, Eden is one of my favorite towns. It's got the lake. The reservoir the there, Huntsville. Yeah. Name a dog after it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. liked Huntsville because... Uh, well, what's That's funny his town is that um, area, it has Huntsville, Livingston, or Liberty, um, Liberty, and there's another one where in here in Texas, the same three towns are right next to each other. And in Utah... So whoever that dude was made, yeah. made a trip, like, made a lap around the country, right? Whoever made those towns, same with <laughs> yeah. Texas, same because it's the, we have three of the same name towns. There's right obviously a popular Huntsville family, because they... <laughs> They're everywhere. Alexander, all that. Yeah, I love that. 
but I love it. You know, I, I miss it, as Marcus can tell. You know, you just, you miss the camaraderie. You miss the mission. You miss the something I mean, bigger than it, whatever. It, it's just amazing. But I'm as close as I can working with GMRE is the name of the company, Gauss Management Research Engineering. We're a small company doing great things for the warfighter, and it's rewarding too. That's awesome. Different rewarding, but yeah, that's I love so it. cool. Well, I'm very thankful of you, um, obviously because of him. And I'll never forget when you flew in, and landed at the Astrodome in Houston that time. Yeah, we, I know. When we saw each other again for the first time, there's just, so many. I was cool just showing my niece that picture. Minute Maid. So uh, Minute Maid. We, I was supposed to come. I was supposed to come into Minute Maid Park, but the Major League Baseball guys wouldn't let me land on the grass. So yeah. we landed cool. in the street. And uh, mm -hmm. Marcus came out, I remember. That was the first time. So we and I actually... brought that helicopter. That yeah. was the cool thing about it. I brought 227. That was the one, yeah. And I was like, yeah, this was the stupid bird. You know, that you know his bus class is 228. Oh, it is? Yeah. We have a 228. I should have been flying be that, that. that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't have been. Because that's an ass kicker, too. Yeah. So... Um, that yeah, was day. our first public date. It was our first date. Um, oh, really? Was yeah. that night. Like you well, you back said you had met me, but I don't remember. Was, I remember him. Man, yeah. you were getting swamped um, that night. I, and every, I remember meeting all the everybody was yeah. people. It was, that was, that was that a fun night. night. And Penny was, was there with, yeah, was great. with us, too. Yeah, so I I was there. That was the first time Marcus introduced me as his girlfriend to people. And, um, yeah, that was June of 2010. And uh, there's a the Houston Chronicle did a newspaper article about you flying in and just about the whole story, and we have it framed at our family ranch, ranch. right when you walk in the That's entryway. Cool. Um, that was fun, framed. you know. I Penny's was down there when we landed. I How just are you doing with all this? <laughs> Good. <laughs> She hates when I, you know, she says I talk too much, so. No, you did no, no. great. You did great. Okay, thanks, yeah. man. I just like to listen. How are your boys with it? How old are they now? They are 28, 25, 22, and 20, so, but they think their dad's a hero. Yeah. So they know he's yes. a badass, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because my kids don't, they, it's, I think it's a kid thing. My kids think I'm, a, I'm not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely they do. not yeah. tough. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's all this, so I was like, man, this fish, and I see that with my buddy's kids. I'm like, man, your dad, something. They'll figure it out. When when you were on Joe Rogan, my my boys thought that he, because you mentioned his name, they said they that thought that was, that one was of the like high points of their life <laughs> was that he shout he gave a spanky shout out on oh. Joe Rogan. They said, my life's complete. Oh, <laughs> well, awesome. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. We took the kids. That's my favorite story. To uh, the little ones to Coronado a couple years ago. And we were staying at the Dell. We were right on the beach where the Buds uh, students train. And we're walking down the beach and, you know, all the guys are in their uniforms and they've got, they're carrying the boats over their heads and Ax and Addy are like, look at those guys. They just thought that was the coolest thing. And I said, he realized that's what dad, dad did that on this exact same beach. And they were like, Dad can't do that. <laughs> and they just it's did not did not understand. I like, love it. Yeah. Dad I never really I never really that. thought he flew helicopters either. At the beginning of his career, I was like, no, he doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just so funny, like when you're so, you know, so close to it, you don't appreciate it. Like Axe and Addy, one day they'll get it. Sure. Um, when you see us all together is the funniest thing. You never 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've, I've tried to say that once or twice. I'm like, y'all don't understand what we used to look like back in the day. Yeah. Like when we were jo- dressed up, doing the deal. And, and actually, dressing it's one thing, but there's that mentality that goes with it. It's a completely different human being you're dealing with, right? And to, to, to go through it, and we all get around together, and you start telling stories, because a lot of you forget. I was like, how much of that stuff do you forget? Most people have one of these episodes in their life to remember about, man. It's like yeah. a daily occurrence for us when we got into that. And that that's the most that we lived is one thing, but just uh, to be together, to tell that, to share it because of the lessons learned from it. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, we did lose a lot of buds. Yeah. I mean, on both sides, you know, a lot of my buds died in accidents and my, all, uh, most of my PJ buddies are doing that. Yeah. Is that it? That's another thing about y'all that take a, the hit. Yeah, no one it, knows that. Y'all, know, y'all, y'all but, get blasted but, hard. But that comes with training as hard as we have to train in order to go and do those things when asked. So good times. I'm just glad you're alive. And I, I, I always like giving him a hard time telling me he freaking owes me. Mm-hmm. I do, man. <laughs> I do, brother. Uh, you know, you, I mean, thanks for reminding me. You, you can do as much as you want. I, I won't uh, ever forget. I made sure I tattooed I just, it right I there. Just, I, just, <laughs> I just love rubbing it in. Oh, I get I got my green feet tattooed. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you what, the Marines get the green berets, everybody. I, 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 uh, uh, Marcus went this last June 28th to the, what camp was that? Um, that I told you about that, where I went and saw the, the boys on the ground. They had their first ever from the Rangers, the Green Berets. Everybody who came in the, on the ground, they met up for the first yeah, time ever. Foot, really? The by foot crew yeah, that the ground came crew. in. And yeah. talked about it. So I it, didn't know that. They I had like a debrief. Just happened. Of, That's cool. Yeah, of everybody because there were Rangers and Green Berets. Um, it was in this huge hall. And so the the two came together. Those two units came together. And the JP to the Air Force debrief the JPA guys. Yeah, harm all yeah. the guys. Man, we're all sitting in there and yeah. just to hear the guys because they got their asses kicked too, man. Yeah, to get yeah. up in there. Yeah, and Marcus went and. Surprised some of some of them knew that he was coming. Surprised the others, and that's when I ran into Captain America. Yeah, his kids in the same unit. Yeah, hard charge. He missed. He's missing a leg now. He lost a damn leg after. Like a lot of guys went back. He, he was, you went back. I went back. A lot of guys kept going back. Bo's in a wheelchair now. He was in an accident. Mm-hmm. To's good. I talked to him. Um, Mario's good. Reyes, a lot of them guys are. The, the, yeah, those were all ground. Like you're all ground, ground. founders, man. Yeah, they're they're good. But um, yeah, it took a lot of people. Yeah. A lot, you yeah. know. And it's so crazy how many people I'll meet, and they're like, "Oh, I was." I was in the middle of hell. Person. I mean, like way down I in there. I actually talked to the. In, if you're listening, I could, you lost your number. Um, the guy that was at Camp Blessing. That um, actually re- decoded the note, or or made sure that vetted out the note. Yeah. Um, he got a hold of me a couple of years ago, and I cannot find that guy's number. But he's in DC, and he would love to meet up at some point. I, we would love to meet up with him. I'll tell you what, too. But um, it's so neat hearing everyone's perspective that was involved. My handler kept the the minute y'all dropped me off, and I got back. Again, that my handler kept a journal mm-hmm. and wrote down and gave it to her. A team guy, yeah. So we have that, and um, yeah, he had a, had a journal of like literally everything Marcus said. Um, he wrote down, and then he wrote down like his perspective of what was going on, um, and wrote down the time, the date, the time, and everything. And that was he came a couple years ago with his 
life and that was a really neat experience. It's so neat just getting to hear everybody's experience from it. She's like, I read this in here. You told me this happened, but I didn't believe you. I was like, <laughs> Well, it's not that I don't believe him. It's just it. Well, what is it then? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> I'm like, I told you this is how it went down, man. It's I know just it sounds crazy. crazy it a lot happen. of it is yeah. crazy. It, it was crazy. That's the thing. Is it? It. It's. It was. Uh, Do you have anything like the the note that? The yes, ma'am. You have all. You of can't that? believe what shows back up out here. I have my helmet back. We don't have the note. I do too. I have one of them. There's three. I wrote three of them. Oh. One of them, one of the guys got killed. One of them got wherever. I have. I got my helmet back. I got that that notebook um, showed up. Do you have the man jammies? No, no, I've asked. I don't for know them. where the hell those are, but the uniform made it back. I have asked for the them. shirt. I got my shirt. Apparently, uh, the doctor, whoever the doctor was at the base, I've heard he has. I don't know who it is. I, I don't you, know the name. You know, bro, when they, when they started passing me around, like yeah, I, I got. I hear rumor of like who has it. I would love to have that one day, um, but the helmet uh, we got in like. 2012. They called me back out to the Admiral. Called me back up. He said, "Got something for you. Mm-hmm. Come out here." No, I just flew. Didn't tell me anything else. It's usually terrifying. And I go in there and we're kind of sitting around. The I go over to check in, anyways, usually. And he's sitting there. And he opens up his desk drawer and boom, slides my helmet across the table because he knew his mind was painted up like a Texas flag. And uh, I was like, "Where the? Where'd you get that?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "They found it in a cache down on the other side of the ridge in a mountain." I was like, "Did you shoot it off somebody's head?" Rangers got it. He's yeah. like, no, but they found the, the, a bunch of the our radios and some of the rifles and stuff like that. It was a ranger team that found it, and out of it being an extremely small world, my Pilates instructor, her brother-in-law was one of the guys on that. It made yeah. it back. Like here in this little bitty town. <laughs> yeah. It's just such you, a small world. This kind of stuff happens to me all the time. It's weird. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that happened too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Good times. Yeah. It was, right, bro? Good times. I mean, there was every, like, we've even talked to the FBI guys that were involved with oh, it. Oh, we keep in touch with everybody. Yeah, I mean, we've, the, 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 the it's like every government agency that was involved, we've at least talked to one person from yeah. each agency that was involved. It was, it's really incredible, and it was an incredible um, mission on many points, like yours coming in to the guys that were on the ground going through that storm. I mean, they had to walk through all of that through the mountains, um, seeing their pictures from it. They've sent over their photos that they took, like on their hike across the yeah, but you know, we, we didn't look like so like you, um, you would think. it looked like Vietnam guys. Yeah, Vietnam it dudes. really did. The like how they just were torn up looking. Headband kind of rifle mm-hmm. band, you know, just beat yeah. to death. They, I when I first saw a photo of like the group of them, I was like, oh, this is from Vietnam, but it was the uh, Green Berets that had walked a- across. The I mountain. mean, they were losing guys, falling out, trying to get through that terrain. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah, leaving it was, there. It was yeah. Steep. Humphies, they tried to do the Humvee thing. It was like, nope, and those locals are like mountain goats. Oh, they, they can. It's unbelievable. Just do it. I mean, yeah. They walk up that mountain like we walk across flat ground in like tire tread flip flops. Flip flop tire tread. Like, <laughs> I forgot the dude with the strings over the top of them, man. I don't know, and you can move like they move like billy goats. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. 
That's well, probably where parkour came from, because them suckers can move out. Well, the, the guy that was in the movie Lone Survivor that's, like, running down the mountain, he is a professional parkour um, athlete, I guess you would call it. Oh, the guy jumping on the rock. Yeah, yeah. so in the movie, he looks like he knows parkour. Uh-huh. They don't look like that. Yeah. They just look like they're just moving down like running the mountain. down, but and, and he's it, a professional uh, We would be places guy. where we would have to get dropped off by a helicopter and then kind of rope in and set up shop. And next thing you know, they just be standing over top of you, buddy, buddy. How you get, you know, how, like, you can't hear them. It's the most, it's incredible. It's in your environment. You, human condition, human body can move through anything, and they are fast. They're great, formidable fighters. I've never taken that away from them, ever. I mean, like, we talk smack and do all that. I'll do that all day long, right? But I, you never say, hey, they're not good fighters. That's just, yeah. that's, not, that, that's what they do. I'll always give them that. Well, thank you for coming on. We appreciate well, you. We're so out. glad oh, that oh, you're yeah. here. And Penny, it's so good to meet you. And thank you. Um, I know our listeners will appreciate this story. This is where we break open that other. I just didn't feel right telling it. Yeah. So now that, that it's you got, out, you, you need to tell it. Yeah, you yeah. Need to tell it. You need to tell that story. That's the only fair thing to do, right? So it's out now. The what? Yeah. Now oh. we're saying thank you, thank you for, for you yeah. telling yeah, that you're side telling of that story. Yeah, it's a good. And that's still not. You got. I mean, just every little thing. Because I would hear from the other pilots, people in the in the at the bases, like, man, the stuff that we had just to make things work. Because most everybody who knew about the op died, first of all. And then when the heli- when the angel went down, then you had to focus on that. And then you had the, the frequency hits in between the damn storm. We're underrating that sucker, man, because there was houses floating down the the yeah, deal. It was, it was yeah, the weather wasn't cooperating, but. He needed to get out that night, yep. so we were going to get him out. I did, that man, and I got out. Got out. Five years later, yeah, I woke we up. Met. Hey, I woke up for July. For <laughs> yeah. July, I woke up with my with my people. Mm-hmm. You can't get a better Independence Day than that. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you. We appreciate you. Hey, brother. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.